which he's he's gonna disprove right but markinson i feel like is the you know it's the loaded gun to blow this whole case wide open too bad he used it on himself is that what you proud of yourself on that one i'm pretty good yeah that was pretty good Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I finally watched A Few Good Men. And I also kind of also finally watched A Few Good Men. What does that mean? Uh, so I just watched this movie for the first time on the plane like three weeks ago. Um, and then I rewatched it last night <laughs> to do this episode. So even though... I've seen it before you. It's still pretty fresh to me. And when I first watched this, you know how like, and I, I know this is kind of like the whole reason we started the podcast, but I feel like this movie, you see it so many times, just like in media or like you just see it kind of floating around in the $5 bin at Walmart. It's, uh, it's one of those movies that it's like, oh, I've been meaning to watch that. I just haven't. And then I just find those movies tend to pop up on the uh, on the JetBlue like choice of movies, and uh, and that's where I watch them. Yeah, like the God last, intended. The last plane I was on, so on the way up, it had like horrible selection of movies, and so I watched like the first forty five minutes of Tar, and then <laughs> kind of like I knew I didn't have enough time to finish it because it was so long. And then on the way back, I had a great selection of movies and I had like a layover. So I watched Lion over two different flights, just sitting there crying next to a pilot who was like he was taking a flight so he could do his job the next day. And I'm just like <laughs> fucking tears rolling down my face like, oh, my God. I um, So this this movie was too long for my original flight. So I was I had 40 minutes left and then I had to wait a week and watch the last 40 on my return flight, but the emotional impact is still, I think the last 40 minutes of this movie is the best part of this movie. Um, like that's yeah. where it really revs up. I think this whole movie is great. I, I really enjoy this whole movie. Um, and it's like how we get to the famous, you can't handle the truth scene like that, that infamous scene, how we get there is so much more rewarding than just like knowing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um I um I don't know. Going into this, I kind of knew what the ending was, right? So oh, I guess it's son of a bitch. Everyone does. I didn't. Everyone knows he gets it's one of the most famous lines in like movie history. Well, I know I but I didn't know the context of it. I thought you know what I thought? I thought a code red was like some sort of um well, I knew it was like a marine thing. Or like a like an army thing, but I thought it was like, I thought this was a case of a crime that took place in a submarine. That's what I thought. Oh, like the hunt for Red October? Yeah, kind of. But yeah. Well, so I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan. Um, this was the first screenplay that he wrote. Originally, it was a play that then, before I think it even previewed or its original run started he was tabbed with 
writing it as a screenplay. Um, I've watched all of Sports Night, The West Wing, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which is like something probably a few other people watch the whole thing of. And then he wrote Moneyball, The Social Network, Steve Jobs movie, Molly's Game, Being oh, the so Ricardos, he, which so, I loved so he, and you didn't. No, I liked it. I liked it. I just, uh, it wasn't like a, a my type of film, but it was good. I, I, um, my wife and my mom hung out one night when I was out of town and my dad was out of town. And um, Taylor asked me, what should I watch with your mom? And I'm like, oh man, the like the cross of like the Venn diagram of like what my mom would be interested in and what what she would be interested in is not uh, like a wide margin. But I I suggested being the Ricardos, and they both loved it. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I like that movie a lot. It it's it's got a weird like I don't know, I guess somewhat divisive. You know, what's interesting about this movie is I was looking at some of like the the meta scores like 69 or whatever, which I know we don't like to talk about a lot but it's funny yeah right yeah is it 69 hold on he just pulled out of your ass well no i mean it's it's 60s for sure i remember that part of it uh 62 no if only just hoping but what was really funny about that is like one of the scores was like a hundred which also those numbers are like kind of made up they just base it off like how much the guy talks about he loves the movie. Like some people don't, you know, have the same ranking systems, but Peter Travers, who's my dude at Rolling Stone gave it a hundred. And then Jay Scott from the globe in Toronto gave it a 25 fuck off. So (laughs) I, and I think this is kind of a thing that's even more and more with Sorkin now where he has like a very positive outlook on the ability of like, good to triumph over over evil and i don't know if you've been in society lately but that's not really the way people see things anymore um they just think evil's winning all the time so i i think he's kind of the more and more he does like especially in this realm it gets a little divisive this also this movie if you've watched the west wing first um just seems like a two-part episode that's connected to that universe no don't say that you would love the West Wing. If you loved this movie, you and Taylor would love the West Wing. Like, absolutely. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. God, you know, I just started The Sopranos, and uh, I love that. I love that show right now. Um, Where and, are you watching that at? How are you watching that? Uh, you know, <laughs> some nice, nice guy let me borrow his his Max subscription. Yeah, um, we should probably stop saying that. So, um, but anyway, what this like? What's funny is so Rob Reiner directed this, right? Aaron Sorkin yes, yes. didn't. Aaron Sorkin is the executive producer, directed a lot of the episodes, wrote West Wing for like the first three or four seasons, whatever. I can't remember the exact amount. Um, But like the way this movie is like shot, the feel of it, the use of music in between scenes. There were so many times in between a scene where there'd be this like very like kind of dark, ominous music playing. I was like, is someone from the military going to be in a car and threaten his life? No, no. And it, and at one point, Markinson gets in the car. And yeah. like when he got in the car, I was like, oh, I recognize who that is. But like you kept thinking that. And then this is like a telltale thing of all like West Wing episodes that happens at the end of this movie, too, is there's this very like somber, like satisfying kind of reserved scene 
And then the movie cuts to the credits and it's like the most happy, upbeat, like music. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because like the only music thing that I um, noticed and kind of felt out of place, which is probably why I noticed, is when um, Galloway is like running in the rain and um, Tom Cruise is chasing after her. And Cruise is like, wait, wait, wait. And he's like, please stop. And she's walking away angrily. He gets out in the rain. He meets her and he's like, I'll put him on the stand. And she turns around and the music is like this most romantic, whimsical thing. Like you think they're about to kiss, which it, it wouldn't have made sense then for that to happen. Right. And I think what they did with their their kind of like will they won't they thing was actually really smart in the movie. But she turns around and the music is like the most romantic thing. They're about to kiss and she doesn't say a word, right? It just what he says about putting um, Nicholson on the uh, on the stand and she turns around and then it just fades to black. Like the scene ends immediately. It was just kind of funny. It's just I felt like maybe there was a cut there. Like um, there was a take that where she says something and that scene probably went on a little longer but then on the editing floor, it was like, no, she says nothing. Let's fade it to black. Moving on. Well, so this, like I said, this was originally a play. When he was told to write a screenplay for this, the studio that bought the rights for it was like, we want a sex scene. We want these two to hook up. Mm. And apparently um, Sorkin tells this story where uh, he's like, well, you know, I don't want to have that in there. And one of the studio guys was like, well, why is Demi Moore in this movie if she's not going to sleep with Tom Cruise? Wow. And Sorkin was like, well, you know, women do have other things they can do besides fuck Tom Cruise. Like, you're aware of that, right? And he was like, just so kind of dejected. And then Rob Ryder came in and was like, we're not doing that shit. Do the, he's like, rewrite it, write it the way the play was. I like the play. We're doing yeah. that. Thank so, God for some decent people in Hollywood. The The thing is, is like Demi Moore in this is so fucking hot. <laughs> I mean, Just she always incredibly she... attractive. Yes, I know she's always incredibly attractive, but something about this movie, I'll tell you, there's nothing like a high rank officer. <laughs> Have you ever gotten a blowjob from a high rank officer, boy? <laughs> Jeez. No, but seriously, she's incredibly attractive in this film. His line about unless the like the way he then goes, unless the president becomes a woman, I'll just have to take cold showers. Basically, like I answer to no one yeah. in this country, but the president is like also a pretty fucking like end, well, great end cap to that. So so let's kind of like get get really into this um, film. And OK, so it starts out with what happens at the Guantanamo Bay site with uh, um, Dawson and um the other guy who says barely anything in this movie, and I forgot his name, um, and then Santiago, and then red coating him, um, and we don't see him. We don't see him die, but we get very soon afterwards. Uh, Galloway, played by Demi Moore, has a meeting with the courts about Santiago's death, and so we, as the audience, can put two and two together that um, them like duct taping him and putting the cloth in his mouth somehow killed him. We don't know quite how at this point, um, but she wants the case. And I think what's so funny about her is like, 
and especially what you said about like, oh, why is Demi Moore in this movie if she's not having sex with Tom Cruise? Now, not that you said that, but that the producers said that. But like Demi Moore is not a perfect character in this film. And I feel like what a lot of like 80s and early 90s films do is they have a super hot female actress portraying this like it's it's like the James Bond girls who are also scientists. Right. I'm not saying women can't be scientists. But you just call out Denise Richards again. Yes, I did call out Denise Richards. But what I'm saying is that what I like about Demi Moore's character is that she's imperfect and she's kind of quirky. You know, she's not like all those other girls. Uh, um, but she's practicing like, oh, I want to take this case. So I'm going to be like, like, you know, sir, I think I would be the best uh, to take this case. And she's practicing that line in the mirror. And then when she goes into her, um, her superior to try to convince him to take the case, she flubs the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like a little detail like that. I think it's like she has very little confidence in herself. And then you're immediately introduced to Tom Cruise, who has every single bit of confidence in the world. We need to track how many times Tom Cruise has graduated from Harvard Law School. <laughs> it's at least twice that we've done just on this podcast this year. Um, one thing I want to say at the start of this, and this is like not a thing you see in an episode of the West Wing. So I don't know. I, I was like, I don't think that happened here. But um, I was like, did he, did they rape this guy? Because Oh, it, it felt like that in the beginning, didn't it? Yeah, I was like, when are they going to say that he was assaulted? No, um, but he wasn't. The, yeah, it, it didn't come up, which is good. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's just stick to murder, okay? Well, you know, manslaughter. I mean, murder too, I guess it was pretty dangerous what you're doing there. And then the fact that they poisoned it, which is they didn't. But, you know, that's what. Well, the... Yeah, that's the thing I want to talk about, too. But but I love like the the classic leading line. He's like, no, the the division's going to assign a lawyer and he's going to be like the like, who are you going to assign? Oh, the best. And then it's like cut to Tom Cruise not giving a fuck and playing baseball. I like <laughs> my favorite part of that is, hey, why don't you get a cup of coffee? She's like, I'm fine, sir. He's like, can you please leave so we can talk behind your back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what's funny is the movie, and this is one of the uh, complaints about the movie. Like there's a Roger Ebert quote about how like he wishes the movie didn't spell out everything for you. And this is like a thought I had going into this. You know, a lot of times I say it really pays to watch a movie twice. I feel like, 80s and 90s like it's kind of unnecessary because everything is so linear and spelled out for you that they don't have these hidden things in the beginning that you forget about and then like will come up later Um, no because anything anything like the um um well there's there's a couple instances instances where when they're at guantanamo bay talking to jack nicholson for the first time he it's a, uh, I'm not going to say it on the pod, but it's a slur for gay people that starts with the letter F. And he doesn't call Tom Cruise this, but he says his white Flaming? uniform. Yeah. <laughs> his his white uniform is. Yeah. You that. Know, effing, effing white. And um, it comes up later in the film. Right. But but not like too much later in the film. Like that meet at, at Guantanamo Bay is like at the 50 minute mark. It's almost a halfway through the film. And then 
in the courtroom in the last scene, um, there's a lot of like wordplay, right? Like uh, Jack Nicholson's like, um, or no, Tom Cruise is like uh, grave danger. And he's like, is there any other kind? And then he just uses that to like reword what he wants to say to him. And then he's like, do you copy me? He's like, do you get it? And he's like, is it sorry? Is it clear? And it goes crystal. And then like five seconds later, uh, Jack Nicholson says to Tom Cruise, like, do you understand? And then Tom Cruise is like crystal. So a lot of the wordplay happens immediately after it. And so there's nothing like you said, that's like super set in the beginning that like pays off in the end. But so like my, my point in saying that is right in the beginning, we meet Tom Cruise and he's plea bargaining on the baseball field. Yeah. And then he immediately gets chosen by division for this assignment. And you have Sam, his who's getting assigned to it too. He's like, why am I even getting assigned to it? He's gonna he's gonna plead this thing out in four hours. Um, so it's just as the audience, and I'm sure you caught this too, you're like, Oh, this is a cover up. He's being assigned to cover this up. Now it's interesting. I actually, I actually caught this on my second viewing. I didn't catch it on my first. Well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But <laughs> what's another interesting like sorkinism is like once again him kind of seeing the world in the way he does like or at least from the things i've watched but a lot of writers i think would lean into more of a cover-up like i said people appearing in tom cruise's window someone like throwing a baseball through his window to scare him and like none of that happens basically the military assigns him and just hopes that he does what he does to go away but they like We'll accept the outcome if it doesn't. You know what Did I mean? You, the, the thing is, though, I'm talking about nothing like put in the beginning that like pays off in the in the future of this film, except for the fact that and I just thought of this when we're first introduced to him and he plea bargains with that guy who's just annoyed with him. He's like, you've been anno- uh, avoiding me for like weeks now. Right. Right. He's playing softball. Mm-hmm. And he comes up with this amazing plea bargain and he accepts it. Right. The, the other guy accepts it. Later on in the film, he says something about how he thinks best with a baseball bat in his hand, but he had a baseball bat in his hand in that opening scene. So he was like he was not like in his uniform and he wasn't at his office, but he was on top of his game. Pardon the pun. um, Playing softball because he had the baseball bat in his hand. Yeah, but that's also just the thing to get him to go into his closet because she stuck it in the closet and then he looks at the uniforms, right? I knew that as soon as like they looked in Santiago's room and he like there was a special shot of like his face with the uniforms in Santiago's closet. I was like, that's going to come up later. That actually is probably the one thing that they show. And I was like, OK, whatever. Like and oh, but yeah. but here's the thing, though. Yeah. And a lot of times that's something it's a detail that you would forget. But when he goes into the closet and you see all the uniforms, I immediately hearkened back to, oh, they showed all the uniforms in there. Now, I didn't know what that he was going to say about that. But then when he says it, like, my point is, you can watch all of this and catch all of it in one go, like, fairly easily to me, because it is so spelled out. Like, every there, is, there isn't, like, these hidden details, to me, at least, when I watched it. No, no, no. No, I, I agree with you, um, except for maybe the, the clothes. Yeah. So we get to um, Tom Cruise gets assigned. They want him to go down to Cuba. Um, 
and we also get this thing about Santiago wanted to be transferred and Cruz is like, I can get him 12 years, like right away. And then Demi Moore is like, no, you have to dig deeper. And he's like, well, I mean, this is my decision. She's like, no, I outrank you. And so I'm telling you like to do a better job than this. And I do think it's interesting. Like there's two, I guess there's two things about this movie. One, there's like a kind of like a, there's like the the legal aspect of it too, but there's also the like the bringing the best out of Tom Cruise, like the arc of him really right. caring about the law and right. living. But in it's his not even footsteps. well, it's not it's not really him caring about the law. I think he cares about the law a lot. It's it's one him him caring about people right more so than himself, and then the other one is having more respect for the military than he has. And I think that's like best shown in his interaction with uh, Hal Dawson, one of the guys that he's representing. Um, and I love that like transition at the end. Oh man, I'm not going to talk about it now. But um, yeah, in the be- in the beginning, uh, they're all like, "Sir, yes, sir, ba ba ba, sir." And he's like, "Can you quit it with that sir shit?" He's like, "I swear to God, stop saying like." Um, right. And the way Tom Cruise does it, he's like, "When you say sir." I turn around and I expect to see my father. So, you know, like that kind of stuff. And so he's, um, he's like, I have a job to do. I guess you could say that he's a lawyer above being a Navy man. Right. Well, Demi Moore says that she's like, you're biding your time until you can get out of here and get a real job. Um, which is, I think is spot on. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, I think it's my big takeaway from this movie. Um, Jack Nicholson is just so fucking good. Oh, and yeah. we grew up sort of at the tail end where he's still like, if he had his fastball, he wasn't using it as much, right? Sure. But this, he is so fucking locked in and so fucking good in this. Like, I've seen Chinatown, right? And he's kind of, he's young in that and he's good. But there's like this whole era in between where he just knows how fucking good he is. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just like magnetic and everything he does. Thinking back to like his Joker, right? Right. Well, you've seen The Shining, right? Yes, yes. It's kind of like that's... that's... Still like younger in that though. My point is this. It's just like we need to do more Jack Nicholson movies. He's getting up there, dude. No, no, no. I'm not saying he needs to make them. I'm saying the pod... (laughs) Oh, oh, we, us, us, you and I, Um, but I mean, so he's only in four scenes, right? And this first one is so great. It doesn't feel like he's in four scenes. feels like he's in this whole goddamn movie. I mean, his his presence is, is his shadow looms large, his shadow looms large. And he's mentioned a thousand times throughout in scenes that he's not in. If I had one note in this movie, it's in this first scene. I don't think it makes sense to tell us right away that he didn't want him transferred. Right. I think it does because I think it, I think as the audience knowing that we're now kind of wondering through the whole movie, how, how do we get to a place where Tom Cruise knows that? I think it makes it more interesting. Well, no, I th- I, to me, it's just like, oh, well, then you kind of know where this is going the whole time, right? Like, you know, oh, he's the bad guy. And so it's just like, we're going to watch Tom Cruise get him. There was a little bit of, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's a little bit of of like wonder if uh, Kiefer Sutherland 
was the bad guy too. Yeah, but I think it's so if you get rid of the scene where he says don't transfer him, right? Which is also just so weird because this entire movie, but for that scene, is from Tom Cruise's perspective, right? He is like in everything else. Oh yeah, you're right. So you just have this scene that's completely taken out of nowhere with just three guys. I mean, so this was a play, right? So like that scene probably exists in the play too. But I think if you take that out, you have the scene where Tom Cruise says, oh, hey, by the way, can I get his transfer order? And you have kind of Jack Nicholson for the first time kind of stutter like, "Uh, yeah, you can have that on your way out. You can get that. And like even Demi Moore later on is like, you asked him that to get his reaction. And we as the audience saw his reaction. So I think without that first scene, although I want more Jack Nicholson in the movie, so I'm fine with it being there. But without that first scene, it's like you're picking up on it just as easily. But it's like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it was Kiefer. Maybe it well, was. Well, you, you rattled him, right, at that point. And so it's like, he he's like, yeah, but if you ask me nicely. And that's where his, you know, effing white uniform comes in and, and him, like, being incredibly uh, sexist towards Demi Moore. Just downright rude, you know? Um, Especially but, with how hot she is. How could you do that to her? But. Uh, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But. um. Yeah, you kind of see his his like macho uh, man on the fence sort of um, persona crack a little right there. You do. Um, I mean, talking about that first scene, though, with Kiefer Sutherland and then uh, Marcus and um, it's just in the, in the dorm room. Uh, no, no it's you're in, talking about it's when in Jack, Jack Nicholson's office. Yeah. Jessup's office. Um He's just so good in that scene. Just like the way he like delivers the lines. It's the thing is there's a lot of actors who you're like, they're just themselves in a movie. Right. I think you mm. say this about Vince Vaughn a lot. Um, I think Robert De Niro late in his career is a lot of just Robert De Niro. Bruce Willis. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to disperse Bruce Willis. You can do that on your own. You save that. No, I'm not disparaging. I'm just saying. Don't be He's scared. Going through something. He can't hurt anyway. you. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean for it to sound like that. You're on your, you're on your own. The anyway. thoughts and views of Alan do not represent me. Um, but even when like Jack Nicholson just sort of seems to be playing a version of himself in this, it's so interesting and so great, right? Uh, that yeah, like I guess it's a version of himself. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it. A little bit. I don't, I don't know the guy personally, but yeah. But no, um, here's a hot take. Kiefer Sutherland uh, does not look good shaved head. He also, man, just during this time, played such a fucking shit heel in everything. You a know Time what? to Kill, yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, what's that fucking movie where the boys discover the dead body? Um, Stand, Stand By Me. Stand By Me. You know, the thing is, too, is like in his in, uh, when he's older now, um, he's taken he's like kind of the hero of the stories. But yeah, when he was younger, he was a little little took took roles, made him a little hated. You know, who also takes roles at that time. That's like just the except for Footloose, who who um, just played a like a 
like you said, a shit heel and everything he was in is Kevin Bacon. And Kevin Bacon's kind of like in this role, too. I feel like if Kevin Bacon was in Sutherland's role or Sutherland was in Kevin Bacon's role in this movie, it could work either way. Um, they're kind of in the same like department as far as actors go, I, I feel. But Kevin Bacon playing this role as the um, the opposite attorney. Um, I think he's great in it. But oh, man, did I just want him to lose so bad? Yeah, but he's actually redeemable. And he makes a few points along the way of being like, listen, and I I mean, I kind of fucking agree a little bit. Like, these guys deserve to be kicked out of the army. They like giving them two years, which they'd serve six months. That's a completely fair deal, right? Now, his motivation for doing it seems to be to prepare to protect Jessup or because his bosses are telling him to. But like, they stuffed a sock in a dude's mouth and and killed him, right? Like whether it was poison or well, not. The in- intent wasn't there. I know, but if you do something inherently dangerous like that and someone dies, like Kiefer Sutherland didn't intend to kill that dude who he wouldn't give food to for seven days. But if that guy dies, that's murder. Yeah, at the very least, manslaughter. It depends on he would he would he would have probably gotten away with it too. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the thing the thing about like um and i have a question like legal question for you at the end of this but um when you have when i'm not saying kevin bacon's character isn't unredeemable in this he's he's and the thing about it is that he's even kind of likable in this but the thing about when you have uh you know who's more likable Tom Cruise. And so when you have Tom Cruise as your hero, you're always going to take the side of Tom Cruise. But there's a scene where he's like, uh, I don't think you should fight this. And he's like, no, I'm just going to plea it out. And then, of course, Demi Moore is like, no, you should fight this. And when he talks to Dawson and oh, fuck, what's the other guy's name? Downey. Downey. When he talks to Dawson and Downey about it, they're like, well, OK, two years and six months out. But then are are we going to be discharged from the military? He's like, probably. And they, they were like, I want to take this to case because if they're found completely, I'm sorry, is that not a phrase? Taking it to case? Taking it to trial. Taking it to trial. You take your case to trial. Whatever. Taking the case to trial. Um, if they're found not guilty on all charges, then the likelihood of them being like being able to stay in the military very high. It's very high. Absolutely. And that's what they wanted. And it was, what's the sick thing is at the end of this is that not only were they found not guilty on both counts, but then they still got kicked out of the military. For, yeah, conduct unbecoming, which apparently like is not a charge that actually could have applied to them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You said you had a question. Was there a question in there? Oh, well, my question comes at the end, but I guess I can ask it now is that much like in the movie Legally Blonde, if one of your witnesses <laughs> admits that they're the ones who did the crime, I think it's just a movie thing, right? It's just a Hollywood thing where like the whole trial doesn't come to a halt. And all oh. of a sudden, the person who admitted the crime is thrown in prison. So it it can there's like some procedural steps you have to do like you motion to you make a motion to the court depends on the jurisdiction it can be like 
judgment on the you know you make like a judgment based on like the evidence that's been presented at the time you also really just turn to the prosecutor and like yo bro what do you want to do and the prosecutor's like your honor we want to dismiss the charges like we i mean we can't you yeah, at that point you can't win right so it's like the, procedurally <laughs> yes procedurally you yeah that's like it kind of would happen a lot of times um prosecutors don't want to do so here's this thing that happens like a lot of times someone will be accused of a crime charged of a crime whatever and you'll hear prosecutors come out and they'll say we're not pursuing charges because we don't have enough evidence at this point to convict beyond a reasonable doubt and so then when you hear that through you're like oh so that person might still be guilty but the prosecutor doesn't have enough evidence so this person's just getting off but they probably still did it and in reality, what the prosecutor is doing is they might think, oh, no, no, this person didn't do it. But if they say that publicly and then they find evidence that this person did do it, that they didn't know about, even though originally they thought they didn't do it, they've kind of fucked themselves into being able to charge this person down the line because you're going to get a jury full of people that heard you say this guy didn't do it. So like just as a matter of practice, they're never going to come out and be like, oh, this guy didn't, you know, this guy didn't right. like and we I think- know this guy didn't do it. Right. And I think, you know, this movie handled that better than Legally Blonde did. Although now I'm I'm like thinking of all the similarities between that case and the case in Legally Blonde. And I love that movie, but I have never seen this film since watching that movie. I kind of want to watch Legally Blonde again and see if there's any like references to A Few Good Men. I think there might be. Did Elle Woods order the Code Red? How did that work? Did um, Elle Woods order the Code Red? No. No. Did she actually assault someone? Or, I don't think you know, she could handle the truth. Definitely, um, definitely not. The so so. Anyways, look, there's this whole thing where they don't they want to go to trial because they don't they don't want the to be kicked out of the military, and then they are anyway. But it also, um, it also has uh, this little thing where Downey is like is mentally handicapped. Still allowed to be said? Yeah, I think you're okay. They don't ever like outright say it, but he is like too stupid to be in the military or like to feed himself. I don't think so. I think he's just like a scared kid. Bro. Bro. Hal. Hal. Answer Hal? his question. <laughs> Hal. No, yeah, something's off. Something's off. I don't know. I think he was just trying to take he was taking orders. And and I think the big twist that that you know you said. 80 90 movies are pretty linear i think the big twist in this is that uh downey never got the code red from Kiefer sutherland or or um nicholson he got it from um dawson because dawson then got it from Kiefer sutherland but dawson told him to do this with him yeah that's one of the few things that's not spelled out is there's not a scene after this where um they go to Dawson, they're like, what the fuck? And he's like, well, I told Downey, but I didn't think, da, da, da. They don't explain that. They at least think you're smart enough to figure that out. Um, there's also this part where, um, and I, I'll say this, that like a lot of courtrooms are similar. I don't know how military court works, um, but uh, there's this one part where, so I'm just doing it from my experience from other court, but um, the part where Downey just says something detrimental to their case, like, oh, I guess I couldn't have been there. Uh, Dawson told me. And uh, Demi Moore stands up. She's like, I need, we need a moment to confer with my client. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> like, well, I don't think, I don't think she was allowed to do that. I think no, you're not, but like, you don't, even, you, you don't even ask. The I, 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 I need, I need to coach my client to say the right thing. <laughs> Your honor, yeah. please. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, she should. They what what they should have done if this was proper, they should have coached them, anyways. Well, but they're lying to you. So like, she gets blamed for that, and Tom Cruise gets all fucking drunk, which we need to go back and like go through the beginning, start going through the trial. Um, but they're just lying to her. Like, you don't think to ask the question of like, uh, I mean, they didn't. Well, here's one thing. Let me backtrack. I think. Kevin Bacon in reality would probably have to give them that information. A normal, like a normal prosecution, you have um, it's a Brady violation. I believe Brady is the court case where you, the prosecution has to hand over all evidence to the defendant. So the fact that they know his story is bullshit, you can't really surprise defendants with that. Um, now, once again, this is, you know, the court martial, so a little different. Um, but yeah, it's like it's kind of a thing that she couldn't foresee coming. I will say this movie, like the courtroom stuff is all pretty legit. Kevin Bacon does like a lot of leading questions, which like some people once again, I don't know uh, if the court martial if they care about that. But um, if some attorneys will get all of in a huff if you do that. But. Well, well, it just it's just I feel like because Tom Cruise didn't object to any of them. I felt like Kevin Bacon was way more objective to uh tom cruise than he was of kevin bacon yeah well yeah i mean there were certain things that i mean because he felt that uh kevin bacon's opening is really good and he's basically like these are the facts they're uncontradicted now listen to tom cruise tell you a bunch of bullshit that doesn't matter right so he was objecting like hey this stuff doesn't matter it shouldn't get in you'll be hearing fancy terms like code red oh man one of the best parts of this trial was when he was um he goes can you look up code red in the book for me and he's like oh no sir it's a uh, it's just a, a term like a, an inside term he's like oh and it, so how could you you know like it could be misconstrued if it's not like you know in your manual and then tom cruise just to be like how do you get to the mess hall how do you get to the mess hall does the, is is the location of the mess hall in the book he's like no sir he's like Wow, so you haven't eaten in three years. Amazing. And it's like that whole thing. It's just it's it's awesome. All right, let's move through a little bit of this just to um one thing I want to Yeah, talk so about. they they get back from Guantanamo Bay, right? And then they're no, they're I'm, I'm before that. No, no, I'm saying when they do though, um that's the last time we see Jack Nicholson until he comes back into the into the scene at the end. But right, he's yeah. but as immediately as he goes there. And there's so many little plot things that I'm just backing up a little bit because as soon as they get back from Gitmo, Markinson goes missing. He shows back up. Um, and it's like, and I think this movie does a really good job in writing highs and lows in this film. Like, oh, they're winning. Oh, they're losing the case. Oh, they're winning the case. When they have Markinson, you're like, oh, there's nothing that can stop them now. Well, then, until he kills himself. Uh, yeah. I don't know why you're like, oh, I just want to say this last time we see Jack Nicholson, and then you just completely skip over the stuff I was trying to talk about before that. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So what I want to say is there's this cool little scene with Kevin Bacon where he's like 20 years, serve half, and he's like, no, I want, you know, 12 and whatever. And then he's like, hey, do you know about Code Red's? And Kevin Bacon's like, all right, you'll get your 12. And then he's like, you know, do you want to make the deal right now? And he's like, well, I'll let me go to go to Cuba. But like that is also a hit. There's all these hints that like 
they want this case to go away until the point of like right before the trial, Kevin Bacon's like two years, they'll serve six. And Tom Cruise is like, fuck, I did it. Like I, I fucking made this happen. Um, I mean, we already kind of covered the lunch. That's like a pretty, well, you're a shit scene. softball player. <laughs> yeah. That's also a good one. I was talking about the lunch with uh Jessup. Oh, um, where he agrees. To the, <laughs> he said he agreed to the transfer and uh, like, you know, He's lying, and it's obvious he's he's lying. And then Joe has questions, Demi Moore, and Tom Cruise is like, please stop, stop asking, stop, stop asking. I have a question. No, she doesn't. Um, please, please stop, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's really funny too, is he says this thing like off the record. You know, he's like, what about Code Red? He's like, off the record, if it happens without my knowledge, it's an invaluable part of training. It's like. You're not in court. There's no record or like you're just giving them ammo to like it's a big fuck up for him to do this. Yeah, did you know that if you say the words off the record before any 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 admission of guilt or anything you say, it doesn't count? Your Honor, they can't ask me these questions because I said off the record when I kind of gave them the hint about, yeah. you know, what kind of asshole I am. So so um he gets the two year deal, he takes it to them. Dawson's like, I won't plead guilty. I you know, the court can just tell me. If what I did was wrong, I don't agree that I did anything wrong. And fucking Cruz is just like defeated and is like, I'm going to get out of this case. And it's really funny. Demi Moore goes from like, you're an exceptional lawyer. You can win this for them. You're their only chance to a second later. She's like, you're a used car salesman. And I'm like, which is it, Demi? Like, is he good or is he not? And why do you think? Why does she think he's good? And then why does he end up being good? Because he yeah. just concedes. He like he just pleads out all of his cases. I so why are we like, this guy's good. It's in his genes. That's true. His, That's true. his daddy, his daddy was good. His granddaddy was good. His great granddaddy was good. Therefore he's good. I don't know if we know about the great granddaddy. No, but, but you know, you have this whole thing looming over Tom Cruise's head about how his dad is this great trial lawyer. And, um, and so he wants to be like his dad. And there, I mean, it, to the point where he signed into the military where he didn't even want to be. Yeah. I mean, to be in Navy, to be a lawyer, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't know anything about this field. But to be a lawyer in the Navy, don't you have to go through basic training? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you do. So you have to go through Navy training and you also have to go through law school. So it's like he had to do all this uh, military training and I guess just hated it. I think, I don't know. I think he was trying to a little bit like do what he thought his dad would like, but also at the same time, like didn't really, you know, give a shit about it. So I think that's kind of the mm. deal on that. Um I want to get to, so he goes to this bar and you remember the scene where there's just this lawyer talking about like the Delaware insurance code and how he got this deal and da 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 da. Yeah. As Tom Cruise is sitting at the bar. So that was Aaron Sorkin, oh. the writer. Um, and then next we get to court and Cruise looks so uncomfortable, like doesn't look like he knows what he's doing, like barely stands up when he's supposed to. And he makes this comment like this is what a courtroom looks like. And the judge is like, all right, we're going to adjourn for three weeks and then we're going to have trial. 
And I was like, oh, okay, maybe this explains why there's an hour and a half left in this fucking movie. This movie's so damn long. Yeah. And then there's a th- half a minute montage of the three weeks, and then we're in trial. <laughs> It's more than half a minute. Um, that montage goes for almost 10 minutes. Um, I think six, six and a half minutes. I think you're making that up, but maybe I am. And um, it's a good montage, though. Like, it's hard to pull off. a. And I mean, if anyone can pull it off, it's the 80s, 90s, man. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was surprised to learn that it was three weeks worth of montage, but. We get to the trial. We get to the trial. And without Markinson's testimony, um, Kathy kind of believes that the case is lost. Yeah. I mean, we can kind of go through this bit by bit, I think, pretty quickly. I already talked about like the opening. I thought both of them were really great, kind of working with what you had. Um, I mean, the scene that rivals the one between Kathy and Jessup is the one between Kathy and I don't know Sutherland's character name, but... Um, uh, Hen- Kendrick Kendrick K- the the one with Kendrick is really good and you would think if you were Kendrick you would think that you would kind of uh, you're, you're being thrown under the bus by Jessup uh yeah but I, I don't I think they all kind of knew to toe the line I think that was kind of the point of what they were doing um so, so is am I getting this right so he lied on court about ordering the code red because he went back into Dawson's room and or and he, and ordered the code red there, only only because Jessup ordered him to order the code red, right? Yeah, I mean they don't explicitly say it, but the fact that Kevin Bacon at the end is like, "I'm going to go arrest Kendrick," and he says, "Say hi to him for me," he's like, "I will," um, leads you to believe that yeah, Jessup told him to tell them. So it's like a whole line of people that are getting getting got. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the first witness. He's McGuire. Um, he investigated the shooting. We didn't even talk about this. Dawson was accused of shooting over the fence line. He oh said he was. You're right. Engaged. We didn't even talk about this. He was in. He was engaged by a Cuban soldier, or whatever, and so he shot back. Um, and there's this thing where, uh, you know, then it's Cruz's turn, and he's like, "Oh, so you didn't even charge Dawson for this, right?" And he's like, "No, I didn't." And then Kevin Bacon smartly is like. Well, why didn't you charge him? And he's like, well, there's no evidence because I couldn't interview him. And the way Kevin Bacon asked it, I thought it would just be kind of easier to be like, you know, well, why couldn't you interview Santiago? And he would have been like, oh, because he was killed first. <laughs> and then it like leaves it with the jury. There's this interesting thing when you go to court, like sometimes you're doing it for a judge and then you'll like you can brief everything afterwards. And so you don't have to be as theatrical. But when you're <laughs> doing it, when you're doing it for like a jury like this, you you kind of need to like leave your point to be the last right like the recency bias of who hit the last you know so that's why he comes you know it's kind of it's obvious like why he couldn't interview santiago but you come back and say well why not it's like oh because he was killed there's so much bullshit that happens in a courtroom i feel like like strike the strike that from the record i feel like it's such a bullshit because it's like what you you're like expecting the jury to literally unhear something like that's not happening it's not that you're expecting them to unhear it. You're expecting them to not consider it when they make the decision, which when yeah, you have like, come on. Yeah. When you have like 12 lay people, I mean, even when you have a judge, they're like, well, I still heard it. So yeah. yeah, it's the striking the record I never got, but also the like, um, 
the the theatrics of it makes sense to me because you just kind of want to put on a show for the for the jury like you said you know you want to be the more like politics you kind of want to be the more uh charismatic one but um you want to talk about do you want to talk about cuba gooding jr real quick (laughs) yeah so I what I, I don't really care about his testimony so much. He he kind of testifies that hey, Kendrick told none of us to do this, and then Tom Cruise comes in and asks one question: Were you in their room twenty minutes later at sixteen twenty? And he just says no. So that it's in the jury's head, and he can make a closing argument. Yeah, he said it in this meeting, but then we have two people that testified that he in at sixteen twenty and privately he told them to do this right. And so then Kevin Bacon is going to call 22 other people to testify to the exact same thing Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, testified. And to show you like the incompetence of this, like you know, the government on this, is they flew all these people from Cuba to D.C. Um, and uh, Tom Cruise is like, we can just can we just stipulate that they all didn't hear this, but they all also weren't in the room at 1620. And it's like Kevin Bacon has no choice but to say yes, because if you say no and the court is like, all right, I guess we'll hear all this testimony. You've pissed off like the judge and the jury who's like, well, we know what they're going to say. <laughs> yeah. Why do we have to listen to this 22 well, times? Exactly. It's fa- <laughs> I love it, too. Like later on when uh, when uh, Tom Cruise threatened to bring in all like 387 members of the. Of the Gitmo unit to, to uh, what what was it it was something dumb but he's like kevin bacon was like you can't actually bring in all these people he's like no of course not but my point is is that they would all say the same thing right yeah right. i think it's about the code red i think it was about the code red um so next we have dr stone played by christopher guest so he's corrupt right like he's a sack of shit uh yeah maybe not in real life you know who no. christopher guest you know who christopher guest is now that you say now that you say it it sounds the name sounds familiar directed best in show a mighty wind for your consideration also no. in a in a little movie called um spinal tap this is spinal tap oh that's where i know him from yes 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 so yeah i mean demi moore wants to question him on hey you changed your findings after talking to Jessup and Tom Cruise at this point is still not like, I'm going to go after Jessup. He still hasn't like committed to that. Right. So <laughs> I love, I love um, when Demi Moore objects again and the judge is like, he is an expert. And <laughs> uh, Sam is like, I strenuously object, huh? Is that like a legal term I'm not familiar with? Like that you like you really mean it, and so the judge should listen to you. Um, and he just explains to her, like, dude, we got the objection on the record already. What you did is just you just had the judge tell the jury, in his opinion, this guy is an expert. Yeah, he just fun. said it. Um, Kevin, Kevin Pollock, um, Pollock, Pollock, you say it, Pollock. He's like he doesn't have a huge role in this but he's incredible in this he's incredibly entertaining in this no yeah he's he's really great there's this cool scene that we already alluded to with bacon uh tom cruise goes to kevin bacon is like i have markinson um and kevin bacon 
this is this is one of those things that is sort of alluded to in this scene and then it plays out later so he's like hey if you accuse these two guys with no evidence you're gonna get court-martialed and you might get kicked out right and you're like why is kevin bacon telling them him this he has dawson downey and markinson three people testifying that are that will testify have said they will testify that kendrick gave the code red yeah. So that is I mean, evidence. So I mean, it's Markinson, like Markinson is the loaded gun, you know? Well, well, yeah, but my point is he says to Tom Cruise, if you say this without any evidence, you're going to get in trouble. And But he has evidence. Testimony is evidence. But Kevin Bacon knows in the back of his head that he, and he knows that Tom Cruise doesn't know this, that Downey couldn't have heard Kendrick give the code red order because Kent, he wasn't there. Downey was running to the base, which which he's he's gonna disprove, right? But Markinson, I feel like is the, you know, it's the loaded gun to blow this whole case wide open. Too bad he used it on himself. Is that what you, are you proud of yourself on that one? I'm pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. So Downey, who's an idiot, um, maybe medically, uh, fucks up on the stand. He's like. How? How? As you already said. Well, remind me to never, like, geez, man. Were you never a scared little kid? Jeez. Not after. <laughs> no, I'm also yeah, not a Marine. Um, so Demi Moore is, comes over. Uh, Tom Cruise, nowhere to be found, comes home drunk. He's like, what, 80% into a bottle of Jack? I, I'd be floored. You couldn't pick me dead. up with a spatula. You'd be dead. <laughs> I'd be dead, and I'd also need a whole hell of a lot of water. I get super dehydrated very quickly. I love it. She's like, "I'm gonna make coffee," and then he's there drunk. Like she's gonna make coffee. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. No. Um. And it's funny. His Demi Moore's like, "I think we can fix it. Uh, we'll move on to Markinson." He's like, "Markinson's dead." Yeah. And then she's like, "I still think we can win." Subpoena Jessup. And uh, she's like, you asked Jessup about the transfer. You knew you didn't need to ask him that, but you did it to see. Yeah, you knew something was up. You knew something was fishy with that guy. I love how he just got over him being drunk by, by hold on. was Is this, uh, oh no, this is the rain scene, right? Yeah, he got over being drunk by uh, going out and getting a little little rain on his head. I think he was still a little drunk, but Tom Cruise has like magical powers where he doesn't get drunk the same as the rest of us, though. He kind of allows himself to be drunk, really. That's Um, thanks to Scientology. But that was what I was fucking alluding to. Thanks. Thanks for spelling out the joke. Appreciate it. So (laughs) she says you need to put Jessup on the stand to get it out of him that he ordered the code red. And this is an issue with this movie. If you're whole plan to win a case is you're going to have an opposition witness and you're going to get him to admit to the thing you're trying to get him to admit to, to win your entire case. You have a shit case. Yeah. And in the original play, I think what happens is, um, Cruz gets the log books in the play. The Cruz character gets the log books that show there was an earlier flight. And it's like this smoking gun that he's lying. And then, you know, then the dominoes fall or whatever. But in this, like, he has nothing. And so, like, when he gets mad at her, he's like, you just want me to get this guy to admit to the thing that he knows that he can't admit to that will send him to jail. I'm just going to get him to admit to it. And so he's right for being angry. But also, she's like, we have nothing else, which is true. Like, they have nothing else. So it's either give up or 
you have to do this. Now there is this added, if you accuse this guy who is what second most powerful to the president, you're going to lose your job and maybe go to jail. He wants to be second most powerful to the president. He's up for the job, right? That's well, yeah, big... but I'm, I was I was alluding to him saying that like oh, yeah, the only him. woman that could be more powerful for, than me is if the woman if a female you, was elected president. You know what's funny is I'm kind of noticing this too. It's like the cockiness of Nicholson used to be the cockiness of Cruz, and I guess I think maybe Cruz could see a lot of himself in Nicholson if he kept going down the path that he was going down. Because if you remember at the beginning of this movie where Demi Moore was like, I'm going to talk to your superiors and he's and he, and uh, Cruz goes, oh, it's very easy to find. You just go down Pennsylvania Avenue. It's the big White House with the columns. Right. It's very much the same energy when Nicholson was like, unless a female becomes president, then I won't have a you know female superior officer. Um, I, I think I think what pissed what what really made Cruz go after Nicholson is the fact that he saw himself his his cocky side of himself in there and and he he wanted to smush it yeah so there's this very heartwarming scene between sam and cruz where he's like you know i'd pick if if these kids had a choice they should pick you over your father because like you can you can do this tommy uh and then he runs in the rain and says, I'm going to subpoena Jessup. Um, his plan after this is that he knows that Jessup wants to say that he ordered the code red, that he doesn't feel like hiding what he has to do to keep America safe, which is alluded and, to by Jessup's off yeah. the record comment earlier. Yeah. And how would he know that if he didn't see himself in him, too? I also love the Jack Nicholson impression from tom cruise oh yeah and and you know what i like to believe i like to believe that Moore and pollock didn't see it coming and so their their reaction to it is like a genuine like that's hilarious that's that is what happened that is what happened yes it is you you have that as like a like a fact that's fact did did jack nicholson not know what happened until he saw the footage I don't know about that part. <laughs> I don't I don't think Jack Jack Nicholson seems to lead the life that he doesn't watch his own movies. Okay. He's not he's not he's not firing up the bucket list tonight. <laughs> if you, let me let me ask you. Evening. Let me let me ask you something. If you if you were an actor who had the filmography of like Tom Cruise or Jack Nicholson. And I'm not saying the exact films, I'm saying like the amount of films that you've done. Would you watch your own movies? The good ones, maybe. The good ones. I would definitely watch my Mission Impossible series because those are badass. You know. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish we could do all six. Eventually, we we will on a little side business. Um. So, let's just get to court. Um. More. There's this last thing. That oh, Demi- I do want to mention. I do want to mention this before we move on. Um. This is our Fourth of July episode, so. Happy Independence Day, everyone. Rah, rah. So, Moore warns him one last time, hey, if you don't think you can get him to admit it, you need to back off. You know, I'm internal investigations, and I'm telling you, you you could get in trouble. And when Jack Nicholson, I have this thing, I don't know if you've noticed this, where I keep stumbling before I say Jack Nicholson, because for my entire life, Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholas, who is a golfer, I know you don't know that, um, 
I have said they're like, you know what I mean? Like I pause for a second, like which oh, one's the golfer, which one's yeah. the actor. Like it's yeah. always a stumbling block, even though I know which one's which, right? They look completely fucking different. But anyway, when Jack Nicholson walks into the courtroom with 23 minutes left, I looked at the time and saw it was 23 minutes left. And I was like, I just love the leg room they left for him to have this final scene. Like yeah. to just give us everything because this, this movie is two hours and 20 minutes long and it, could be a lot shorter we need to get to court faster the, um, all the court stuff is great but we need to get there quicker than we did i guess i mean i i did, I, I love this movie and i like the pacing of this movie but that that's probably just a personal preference um with with jack nicholson coming into the court his monologue is one of the most famous monologues in cinema right like it's yeah. not just you can't handle the truth there's like a a whole five minutes after this that he's just talking uninterrupted and it is great. It's it is amazing. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Yeah. Um, I I love the so before this, you know, there's a lot of like back and forth. He gets him to admit a few. Th- he gets him to say a few things that he then uses on him later, which is great. But um, there's this part where Tom Cruise starts looking around the courtroom. Yeah. And deciding, should I go for this? And everyone's kind of looking at him like, don't do it. Um, and he just, and Jack Nicholson, who just doesn't think he answers to no one, starts walking away. And he's like, I didn't dismiss you. Sit back down. <laughs> and, and he's like, uh, it's, you know, commander or, or colonel or sir. And then the judge is like, you know, call him colonel or sir. And he's like, thanks. And he's like, and I'm judge or your honor. I think I've earned that like, you know, <laughs> right back at him. But this is like the rattling of him. Like he started to rattle him. Yeah. And he like, there's this one thing that I didn't even think about, which is like a really good argument that he makes um, Who? is uh, Tom Cruise. Okay. Where he says to him, you said that your men listen to your orders. But you also said you sent him because he's dangerous. Those two things, like they can't exist together because if they always listen to your orders, then he wouldn't be in danger and you wouldn't need to transfer him. Yeah, the whole point of the scene. Well, I'm saying it's like a thought that I didn't have until he brought it up. It's like a just the incongruity of the fact that like, well, sometimes they don't listen to yours. It's like, but that's not what you said. You said they always do. You right. know I mean? And then and then before this with Sutherland, it's like you prove that if they don't, they get severely punished. So... Right. So they always. Yeah. So they the why wouldn't they follow your orders? Um, Yeah, dude, my favorite part of this scene is not that, although that is pretty damn good. And it's not even the the truth thing The my favorite part of the scene is like when you got here. You made three phone calls. Yeah. And he had him list the three phone calls and why he made them. And then he's like, and you packed is like, can you tell me why Santiago if he knew in seven hours he was going to get on a plane forever, he called no one and he packed nothing. And the fact that that was all dismantled by two things Jack Nicholson says, it goes, maybe he didn't have any friends and maybe he's an early riser and preferred to pack in the morning. And the way, and like you, you mentioned this, Tom Cruise looks around the courtroom like, did he not think that those two things could have been arguments? Well, so no, I think one of those two arguments are kind of stupid, right? Like he they're kind of stupid, but they 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 gave a reasonable doubt enough to like dismiss it. 
Well, I mean, really, the whole point of Tom Cruise asking that is not to get the answer. The answer doesn't matter. It's to let the jury to it's you're letting the jury see your argument of like, hey, this doesn't make sense that this dude didn't pack his entire life up. His huge barracks full of stuff. He didn't pack any of that up and he didn't make a single phone call. You know why he didn't do any of that? Because this guy wasn't leaving. He had not been told he was leaving. Um, Really. Kevin Bacon should have objected for speculation because how can he know why Sandy, you know, Jack Nicholson can't know why Santiago did anything. You know what I mean? It's not his, he doesn't have his mind. So, um, but you know, as you said, he gave an answer like it's, he get Jack Nicholson was kind of acting as a lawyer. He's like, Kevin Bacon, you're fucking up. So I'll just tell him <laughs> like, well, how am I supposed to know what this guy's thinking? Maybe he's an early riser or maybe he has no friends. Right. Um, I like afterwards. And this was like a thought I had too. You know, have you? We I talked about Shooter the other day. Have you seen Shooter? Yes. So in the end of Shooter, there's a similar scene where Mark Wahlberg. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen Shooter, fast forward thirty seconds. But Mark Wahlberg pulls out his gun in this meeting with DOJ and and sh- points it at Danny Glover and shoots it. And he's like, "It won't fire because the firing pin's missing. I took it out of every rifle, so this gun couldn't have been used. So I couldn't have committed this crime." And Danny Glover's like, "Fuck it." What do I care? I can't be charged anyway. And so I thought after Jack Nicholson admits to the code red that he was just going to walk away and he thought the same thing. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? You just admitted to murder, you dumbass. You're going to jail. <laughs> and then he just seems so surprised when I know they're not called bailiffs in a military court. But when the when the two officers like surround him and was it do you think it was ad lib? He's like, I'm going to like piss in your skull rip out your eyes eyes and piss in your skull skull. yeah i don't know i don't know tom cruise handled it well he's like you're going to jail you son of a bitch um and then we get the we get the the ruling i i kind of knew this was going to happen i knew they weren't going to get off scot-free this was kind of a the bittersweet well it's the jury like hey yeah you were following orders that's a really tough situation but you can't be marines anymore so time served and get the fuck out. Uh, but what now, I time served means that the time that they've already spent um, in lockup is the time that they're it's counting towards their punishment. Yeah, it's basically like how many days have you been in jail? 17. OK, 17 is what we're giving you and you've already served it. OK, OK. I thought that's what it meant. I just I didn't know for sure. You get, um, you get credit for time served, even if you're sentenced to life, which, uh, you know, a lot of times doesn't really matter. Nah. Um. I do love the very ending where, um, well, there's the whole thing about like, you don't need a patch in your arm to have honor. And then he salutes him when earlier oh, he wouldn't. That's what him. I was thought. That's what I wanted to fucking bring cry. Up. Did you Dude, cry? You big fucking baby. I didn't cry, but I was just like awe inspired. I was just like, like standing up. <laughs> you have <laughs> clapping. to watch, you have to watch the West Wing. You would, you'll, you'll, you'll do that every episode. There's a commander on deck or whatever. He's <laughs> you know? um, but I love when Kevin Bacon's like, hey, what were those guys going to testify, testify to? And he's like, they were going to testify that they don't remember shit. <laughs> he's like, oh, strong witnesses. I love that little like bit between them. Um, and then, as I said, the hap- like it's a somber ending. And then the happy music over the credits is just, just such a weird, weird little end to it. Um. And it, and it ends quick too. Like as soon as that's done, 
fade to black. There's a moment way before this I wanted to mention it, but we kind of got lost in talking about the plot. But it's after the first courtroom scene and Tom Cruise is leaving and he turns to Demi Moore and, and Jason Pollock and he goes, oh, so this is what a courtroom looks like. Kevin Pollock. I said Kevin Pollock. You said Jason. I said Jason Pollock. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I made up a guy. Made up a What's whole that? man. <laughs> he probably exists. <laughs> Hey, listen, to anyone listening to our episode named Jason Pollock, give us a shout out on Twitter at Finally Watched. And Kevin, if you're listening. We yeah, and <laughs> Kevin Pollock, I'm sorry. Um, dude, I, you know, I said it before, I'll say it again. Um, this is our 4th of July episode. No, um, I'm kidding. I, I love this movie. It feels like when um, Tom Cruise wanted to do like another Jerry Maguire, but didn't want as much sports in it, but still wanted like some sports in it. And then uh, he also wanted like to do another firm, but then yeah. And it's like th- this, this movie is like an in-between of his character from the firm and Jerry Maguire. Cuba Gooding Jr. Was even in this one. Show me so, the money. Um, uh, couple, I liked it. A couple things I want to talk about first. So, um, it was reported that Demi Moore had to lower her quote because she normally made $3 million a movie and she lowered it to $2 million so she could get the role because Jodie Foster, Linda Hamilton, and Michelle Pfeiffer were all considered for the role. Um, I mean, I only see Linda Hamilton in the Terminator movies. So that's tough for me. I haven't seen her in really anything else. That's on me. Um I, I don't think Jodie Foster would have been good in this. Yeah, yeah. Jodie Foster could have really easily no, done I'm, this. I'm saying she I don't think she could have. Oh well, I disagree. Because I don't think I don't think she would have had the chemistry with Tom Cruise. I don't know. Agree to disagree on that. Um the other thing, so uh Jack Nicholson, you know when people do like when you have um when you're shooting a scene, you have to shoot the back of someone's head. So that you can get like the reaction shots. It's, it's called a reverse shot. Yeah. Did he use a, a, a stand in for that? No, he went fucking hard in the paint every time he had to do his monologue, even when the camera wasn't on him. Oh, my God. OK. And then he did it for his ending. His the last one was when he was actually doing it when it was on him. What a champ. So, yeah, I um I really like this, too. Yeah, I compared it to like an episode of West Wing earlier. And you're like, oh, no, don't say that. Don't say that. I love West Wing. Um. But this this movie has de- like a definitely it's a '90s feel, right? It's definitely like as I said, super linear, and it. I do think it fits nowadays. I don't know. It it just you have to fucking watch the West Wing, like, and if you watch a couple episodes, you'd be like, oh yeah, that does feel a lot like that movie, which I'm is sure, which is interesting. I wasn't I wouldn't say anything bad about the the West Wing because I haven't seen it. I was just saying like, I don't say it's like two episodes of television back to back because I feel like it's the production is more than that, you know? I know, but you have to like the feel of it. My point is it's so weird that that was like a, uh, uh, an Aaron Sorkin, like fully controlled, controlled vehicle. And this is like a Rob Reiner directed movie with Aaron Sorkin writing. And it feels so much like the West wing. It almost, it like leads me to believe that, you know, Sorkin took a lot from this experience when he started doing that show. So, yeah, no, I love this movie. I, I always knew I would because I love the dialogue. Um, I also like Tom Cruise could probably have been a lawyer in another life. Yes, as well, as many 
as he plays. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure of it. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And I finally watched A Few Good Men. And I also finally watched A Few Good Men. <laughs>